So this week we have Eloise Jones. Eloise Jones, hello. Hello. It's very formal, isn't it, all of a sudden? <laughs> uh, I, as I always start my podcast, I would like you to introduce yourself and, um, well, I've already done that actually, you can tell the listeners how you know me. I know Jamie from work. We both work at the student bar. Yes. It's, it's always a good shift when we're on together. We met last year, didn't we? Because we both got hired at the same time. So we were in competition with each other. (laughs) Sounds about right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we both came out and talked because we're both equally excellent. Oh, of course. So, and this student union bar is at Worcester, which we go to uni. And got to get straight in there. Why did you pick University of Worcester? Um, So I viewed about five different unis, went to loads of different open days and was originally literally sold on Staffordshire University. I was in love with it Um, and Worcester was actually the last university that I viewed. My mum literally forced me to come in to the open day and I was like, oh God, this is going to be so annoying. I don't even want to go. I've chosen my uni and then I arrived and was like, oh, okay, I actually really like this one. Mm. and it came down to the nitty gritty between Staffordshire University and Worcester. Um, and I couldn't set them apart at all, apart from on their location. Uh, Staffordshire University was based in Stoke-on-Trent. And obviously Worcester is in Worcester. And Worcester is just a much more a nice place to be. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, actually, being from Wolverhampton, I might just pick somewhere that's actually a nice place. So, yeah, <laughs> in the end, that's what sold it. And the course looked good, obviously. Okay, and have you been to Staffordshire? Like, have you been there like before, like on day trips or anything? Like, because or do you know what it's like to be there? Like, I'm wondering why it's better than well, Worcester. Um, so the the oh, I'm definitely happy that I came here. Like, the course is definitely better now that I'm like retrospectively looking at it. Um, but yeah, the location just wasn't as good. Stoke on Trent just was very similar to Wolverhampton to me. Um, and yeah. I just wanted to change. I thought, well, I'll, I'll pick somewhere that's a bit more um, aesthetically pleasing, mm-hmm. um, a bit more pleasant to be. Um, but course-wise, this has definitely come out on top in the end. That's good. And on the point of the course, what is your course? <laughs> My course is criminology and policing. No, I- I haven't had anyone on my podcast. I've had th- I've 37 episodes. This is the 38th episode, 38 weeks, and I've had no one uh, that does criminology or placing. And I don't even think I know anyone that does criminology and placing. So it's really interesting to talk to you about that. Um, um, we've talked about it, like, because we met, we met the other day and we talked about, like, it and, you know, the point of, like, in the current climate, placing yeah. is a bit more of a concern and I kind of was, you just made a really good point about that and I would kind of like you to make the point again I'm trying to just say that like you said about how in the current climate as I've said it is a bit more like scary to become a police officer yeah um, so like the the rates of getting um assaulted as a police officer are only going up at the moment and obviously there's a lot of controversy regarding like the Sarah Everard situation um which is completely rightly so to have controversy um so yeah being a policing student who kind of I guess a little bit naively came into uni thinking oh this is be so exciting I can't wait to be a police officer um it's a little bit interesting now to take a step back and think hmm actually 
this is you know there are risks to this profession and it makes you think twice really the uh, current situation that the police are in yeah yeah like because i cannot imagine you know because there is obviously there's the, sh- the shitty police officers and then there's obviously the ones that like you know there's in, like in everything there's good and bad people and yeah, i feel like I there's feel always like, yeah one <laughs> it ruins it for the majority exactly um and like i'm just thinking that i feel hot i feel very sorry for the ones that have just you know have done their job properly have you know properly are good police officers and they yeah you know they're they're being thrown with kill the bill and that's a discussion for a different day you know what i mean um but i'm thinking back back to you so this degree um i think you have told me before but i would like you to tell me again uh (laughs) which is what is your end goal for this degree you have once once it's finished and complete so once I finish this degree, I will probably do a master's. Um, part of me just wants to stay in education and delay starting work for as long as I can. So like once you're in work, you're paying bills and whatnot. Um, so I'll probably do a master's. But once I've finished my education, the, the goal is definitely to go into the criminal justice system. Um, my mind is a little bit more kind of foggy at the moment over where I'll end up within the criminal justice system, whether it will be like on the probation side of things or actual police officer or anywhere else. Um, but yeah, the, the aim is definitely to end up within the criminal justice system, doing something that makes a difference to that people's is, lives. That, that is so good. And is like any particular, like, I don't know, is a branch you're interested in? Like, is there any like particular, like, is it like, I don't know what type of justice are you interested in? <laughs> Um, so I'm not really interested in the law side, so I'm not going to be a judge sat in court sentencing people. Um, I can see you doing that, though, with the wig I and all on. With the wig, yeah. I, I could pull it off, probably. <laughs> um, no, yeah, that bit is is not really for me. But I can see myself maybe going into probation, like looking at what people, um, when they're re- being reintegrated back into society after their prison sentences, Yes. Um, I can see myself trying to, you know, make people's lives better, stop people reoffending and stuff like that. Um, maybe, who knows? But I think deep down my heart is still set on being a police officer and working my way up the ranks and ending up being a detective or something, something mm-hmm. snazzy like that. <laughs> um, I love that. Um, you've so many things I've got. I had to like start taking notes there because I had so many points I wanted to um talk about. <laughs> The first one I'm going to talk about, I'm going to do it in chronological order, is the fact that you said you want to delay um, going into work and keeping education. There is so many people who literally cannot wait to get out of education. And I feel like I'm like you. I kind of am fine to stay in education and have this lifestyle. It's yeah. the best time of our lives, you know what I mean? And I wouldn't want yeah. to. I just can't understand. The other point I was going to make was, have you have you seen, are you a Louis Theroux documentary fan? Yeah, I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple. But he has one, and it's a with like Louis something, a place for paedophiles, I think it's called, and it's okay. just really interesting that he he explores this facility for convicted paedophiles and a the, these people who work in the facility that want to try and integrate them back into society. It is so interesting because obviously no one wants a paedophile, a convicted paedophile, on their street. I just thought it was really yeah. interesting. It just reminded me that when you talked about like you know integrate obviously you will be well maybe you will who knows working with pedophiles but um (laughs) um, that's gonna be episode title pedophiles um (laughs) pedophiles with Eloise (laughs) 
um but yeah so well that's uh, my next point was there you've already as i asked you that your end goal was that but then i have your question of your end goal in life like are you looking looking to be wifed up kids what's the dilly dally i think i would be if i was on my deathbed i would be happy if i had uh had a family uh whether that be through uh adoption or you know actual you know biologically my own um, i think it's important to you know consider that actually you can have a family that isn't necessarily biologically your own um a partner would be nice but i think again it's important to consider that actually a partner is just a bonus in your life it's not a necessity um if I had ensured that my mum and my, my nan and my family had had a really good life, I would be happy. Um, mo- yeah, mostly family orientated. Um, obviously a good career, um, a comfortable life. I'm not looking to be like a billionaire. If I end up a billionaire, I won't be, you know, turning it down. But <laughs> I'm not looking to be like, just just a comfortable life, a happy family. Um, and a and a good career that I can look back on and you know inspire my own children to work hard and get a good career for themselves too. Oh, that was a really nice answer. Um, I try my best. No, that really is. That's that's encouraging. <laughs> um, it feels like everyone else who's answered that question now looks like shit. So oh, well done. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, me, I I my thoughts on kids, and I like what you said there about the biological thing. Even adopted kids that's a no for me I, I think at the minute you know what I mean? I'm just a, like a naive 19 year old you know like I, I probably you never know what th- things could happen you know in the future yeah but at the minute like if you had to make a decision now yes or no you would say yes I think and I would say no okay yeah I'm with you. Do, do you agree yeah um I'm just thinking like if if the choice had to be made now like if there was this random thing like you know they're gonna make you infertile or not you have to decide right now and I would probably say well it's kind of difficult for me anyway I'm not going to be fertilizing any eggs so um well I might be you never know actually I'm gonna we're gonna circle back to Worcester and you the bit you said about Worcester and you said you were from Wolverhampton and then the connection that you made with you told me that the, the connection you made with Wolverhampton and your course and the fact that that that's one of the reasons being brought up in a rough area was yeah. one of the reasons why you're doing criminology and policing. Explain. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm from Wolverhampton. It's relatively um, deprived. It's um, I'm from central Wolverhampton and from my studies and from obviously uh, living there, you know, the closer to the centre you are, the more um, deprived you are, really. Um, I was brought up in the centre um, and I was just surrounded by people who you know have taken a complete opposite route to me in life um, that have you know turned to crime whereas I've kind of turned away from crime and decided to go down a completely opposite route and that kind of has always um, been something that I've thought about like how how is that something that can happen if you're brought up in the same area you know you go to the same shops and you catch the same bus or you go to the same school as someone, how do they end up in a situation where they think that it's 
the, the best thing for them to do is commit crime, whereas I um obviously the complete opposite. Um so yeah, I mean I love Wolverhampton, it's my home, it has my family in it. Um but if I won the lottery tomorrow, one of the first things I would do would be to pick up my family and move them out of Wolverhampton to somewhere a little bit more uh a little bit more friendly and uh, a little bit less shooty shooty stabby stabby you know <laughs> yeah, i totally get you so would you say you're proud to be from Wolverhampton, or whatever um, would you embarrass to admit that sometimes <laughs> oh no never embarrassed never embarrassed i have there's elements of Wolverhampton that i'm proud of um i am relatively into football and i'll happily tell people that i support Wolverhampton wanderers um, for like every time, every person I speak to in Worcester seems to be an Aston Villa supporter. So there's a bit of rivalry there, but I'm always happy to say nope. I support Wolverhampton. Um, so in that sense, I'm proud, and you know, there's an accent that comes with it, and I feel sometimes I'm a bit like, yeah, you know, I have a tinge to me. Sometimes you can tell that I'm from the back country. Um, we have great battered chips. I mean, a lot of people don't even know about battered chips, and I'm like. Well, it's a black country thing, so you're shaking your head. I've got no idea. No idea. So, so when you go to the chip shop here, there's just one type of chips. When you go to a chip shop in Wolverhampton, you can have battered chips, and they are, well, they're they're just battered chips, but they're like orange in colour and crispy and like crunchy. Um, still like nice, like awesome. potatoey, and yes, they're really really good. And when I first had a chip shop here. In Worcester, I said to my friends, oh, are you going to get battered or normal chips? And people literally looked at me like I was crazy. So in that sense, I'm I'm proud to be from Wolverhampton. <laughs> the battered chips. <laughs> the battered chips, the Wolves, the football team, battered chips. And I suppose in some ways, the accent. Yeah. So like you said there about like, you know, your parents or your mum and your nan, and, like, you know, lift them and put them somewhere else. Uh, where would that somewhere else be? For you where would you where would where ideally would you like to rest like, like that's the question about your where would you drop them and then where would you like to end up living um so i'm not really sure i have connections to shrewsbury i love shrewsbury um it's a it's a great place to be it's very pleasant it's full of lots of nice people um and obviously i have ties to there and lots of nice memories um so uh you know there, there could be potential for me to move there um, I actually really like Worcester. Worcester is a slightly bigger version of Shrewsbury in my mind. Um, it's got the elements of Wolverhampton and the city life I like. It's still got the big shops and, um, you know, the nightlife. But it's got the nice kind of independent businesses that Shrewsbury has and like these little cafes and, you know, things like that. So I could I could genuinely see myself settling in Worcester, to be honest. Um, and my mum comes and visits relatively often it's only an hour drive away she's pretty happy to drive her she likes it here um my nan likes it here she she has a dog she loves walking the dogs it's got lots of nice areas to walk the dogs in so to be honest I could be tempted to pick them up and drop them somewhere in Worcester there we go um yeah it's I really like Worcester now being from Shady be town in Northern Ireland and like my family always say like this you should be proud of where you're from and yeah. there is definitely elements that I am proud of, like you said. But, uh, it's not bad at chips or a football team, uh, but it's, I don't know. I think it's just, 
I, I can't put my finger on what it is I'm proud of back there. I think I need time to think. Uh, well done, you coming up with that on the spot. If I got that question, I'd be like, <laughs> to an interview, fuck off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like this. Uh, my family sometimes put a bit of pressure, like you need to be proud of them. But I don't think, I feel like I am part of some elements, but there's so many elements I'm not part of. Like there's so much like the racism and like homophobia and stuff. It's just not like right for me. And that's like, why am I Worcester? Yeah. And of course that happens here, totally does. Um, yeah. But I think it's it's much less and I just prefer it here. I think it's, you know, yeah. you're saying about you're shooting and you're stabbing, there's less here, isn't there? You know what I mean? We move away. Yes, for less. there is. We're, we're never going to f- find a complete place, utopia, where there's no stabbing, no shooting, no homophobia, no racism, but Worcester is closer to that than where we're from. <laughs> yes, definitely yes um you mentioned your mother and your nan and you're close with both them yes so you're you're an only child and I think only children both of us here uh like you know being raised in only child house um just our mum's about um yeah well my mum's about the minute my dad was about when I was younger but um yeah what like I feel like did you feel I I feel like we can relate the only child thing here that we had to grow up pretty quick um did, did you did you get that I don't know I think it's my mum and dad separated when I was like 13 or maybe okay. younger and I feel like I had to like you know become independent had to you know, be adult like you know at 13 you should maybe should be starting to cook your own meals and stuff I feel like there's just, just so much pressure to do things and like yeah. you know um but my mum like obviously if I if she heard that she'd probably be upset but like it's the truth I felt like I had to you know fuck up and you know be an adult now even though I was 13 um yeah and, yeah uh, what what about you I feel like because you it wasn't it's been a continuous thing from you it hasn't like from day one not from age 13 yeah so I think in some ways yes in some ways no I think my uh, my mum was very young when she had me um and I think she would agree that in some ways that that meant that we, we we were both almost growing up at the same time um in some ways and I think she probably had to think oh crap I need to grow up myself here you know there's no secret that I wasn't planned (laughs) um I was a surprise baby um so I think in some ways yes I kind of we we grew up together um but actually my mom is very encouraging of independence anyway um I think probably because she knows that you know from a young age she had to be so independent I think she knows fine well that at a relatively young age you are capable of being independent so um in many kind of nurturing ways she has encouraged independence throughout my life you know if you want something go and get it yourself kind of thing so there to support me obviously um she just abandoned me <laughs> but there to support me yeah. but very encouraging of independence um so I don't know whether it was necessarily a need to grow up I think it was just very well encouraged in my lifetime that you know we we grow up we you know become independent yeah 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 um I'm thinking of the only child syndrome we have avoided it somehow I think you know like I'm not even just saying that like I can say that about me because the fact that you know like I when I was younger it was definitely like palpable people were like always saying that I was always shit and that I um got everything I wanted yeah. and I did but then uh, I grew up in uh 
a house in a state where my cousins, I've probably told this, like I've, I've told everyone this, it's just like my cousins lived across the street. Then my yeah. other cousins live further down the street. And then, you know, everyone, and then there's all these people, all these children about. And there's this like a house that we all went into. This man, um, this English man, let us into his house and uh, he let us like play computer games and do all this stuff. And obviously, everyone was like red flags at the start but then he just wanted us to learn and be, have a place where we can you know um you know for for only children like me uh, can yeah. learn to not be a little cunt and um it, it worked so well because now I'm like willing to share everything I'm you know happy as Larry yeah but I'm wondering how because I don't get only child syndrome from you so I'm wondering please how are you not an only child <laughs> twat well I don't really know because there's there's not so you obviously had lots of cousins that were relatively similar age to you. Um, and I, I don't have that, obviously, because my mum had me so young. Um, she's a, you know, relatively close age to her cousins, but obviously they weren't having children at the same time that she was. Um, so I've grown up with not many other children. Um, and yeah, I, my nan spoiled me rotten and still does. And, and my mum <laughs> does everything that she possibly can to make sure that I've got what I want um, you know, if, if I want these pair of shoes, she'll no doubt that she would bust her ass to make sure that I could have them. Um, but again, I've always been really highly encouraged to be grateful, just kind of mm-hmm. um, really aware of how hard people do work. And my nan has loads of siblings. Um, that's why I'm, I'm lucky to have lots of uncles and aunties. And um they were a huge family and they didn't have buckets of money when they were kids so I think it's just it's just been driven into me that actually we appreciate what we have even if it's nothing or even if it's everything we have you know to be appreciative and just another point on your mum um you are definitely friends with your mum and I think I'm friends with oh yeah and what do you think what would you say to the people you know you see them people go oh my god you can't be friends with your mum um what do you say they obviously just don't have mums like ours do they well obviously not I've literally so many people like my housemates and stuff like when their mums were like oh god like my mum should be so embarrassing but like I would literally choose to do so many things with my mum over like my friends like I'm like oh I don't want to go to the cinema that's my mum like <laughs> we have a great time together we've got like the same humour we've got like all this going on we, we are definitely friends um I think like it's got to be an age thing for me I reckon that she's just so close to my age and like she's we're so similar and I think it used to make us clash when I was younger but now we're literally like besties she'll probably listen to this and be like oh my god my daughter she 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 wants to be me <laughs> um, but yeah I would say like how just appreciate your mom like yeah she gave birth to you so <laughs> exactly exactly and I yes was just... Ho- hopefully <laughs> <laughs> um what was I gonna say um I've lost my trail of thought now um what was I gonna say Jesus see this is the pressure of a podcast getting to me <laughs> literally lost lost it okay we're just gonna say something else then um <laughs> <laughs> yes that was it people like I think that you're definitely closer you're closer in age to your mum and mm. than I am my mum had me when she was 35 so I was like someone considered some a late like baby I don't know 
Um, and I would like I would say I'm friendly with my mum. I appreciate my mum, but she fucking does my head in. But like like everyone's mum, I bet you should, your mum sometimes does your head in. Oh course. yeah, sometimes. But um, yeah, I, I feel like I really get annoyed when people don't appreciate like as you say the person who gave birth to you the person who raised you and my mom has made so many sacrifices in her life for me and stuff like she's put me first above me. 100%, so many yeah. it's just it's just ridiculous it's, there's no way like like anytime I'm a shit or like I'm nasty to her like I feel bad maybe like 10 minutes later because I feel like you know she's done all this for me and I'm literally being ungrateful yeah. and I try now like not to not be ungrateful for anything she does to me because she's just awesome <laughs> literally like even like even with, with Christmas coming up my mom's like oh don't go mad on Christmas presents like um like my money obviously at Christmas everything's tight and I was like oh mom I don't know, I'm gonna pay for xyz and she's like well, don't go crazy on Christmas presents and I'm like yeah but you've literally had like how many years of just buying for me and I've never had like seven-year-old me probably thought oh yeah get a little packet of sweets for Christmas and I'm sure she was like, oh, yeah, sweet. But now I want to spend, like, every penny on my family. I'm like, oh, I've got money. Like, I must spend it on them, like, give back. Like, yeah. Why wouldn't you want to just... I want a spoiler. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So, Eloise, you do enjoy a night out, don't you? Oh, I do. <laughs> you do. And what is your drink of choice? Um... It really depends. I'm going to give you a spirit and then a different drink. I'm going to say my, my spirit of choice is every time Disarolo and Coke. I love Disarolo. Um, and if I'm not drinking Disarolo at the moment, you could buy me drinking a Desperados, which is a oh. bit a bit out there for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, either a, a Disarolo and Coke or a Desperados. How would you describe them? Are they bitter drinks? Bitter? They're not sweet. Um, no, well, Disarono is sweet. So Disarono is like um, almondy. So it's like uh, you know, like marzipan. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like it's a bit like that. It's yeah, okay. sweet, it's very sweet Disarono. But um, Desperados is not sweet. It's got tequila in it. It's very like yeah, not sweet at all. Yeah, I've had I've had the second one. I haven't had the first one, um, and yeah. I don't mind that. I usually. Like I think we have you've seen me like if I was gonna pick a pint it would be like a, the Copperberg strawberry lime the sweetest thing or like the dark fruits yeah dark like, fruits yeah <laughs> it ha- it has to be like sweet for me and like I love gin I know you love a gin I love uh, gin and yeah I was I wondered if there's been a time like uh where like the worst drunk you've ever been um I would just love to hear about it. <laughs> Uh, that would have to be my 18th birthday. <laughs> uh, really? Um, love that. Yeah, so I turned 18 March last year um, and Boris decided that he wanted to close the clubs on the night out that I had had planned for a long time to celebrate my birthday. So me and my friends rang up so we were going into Birmingham for my birthday and we rang up all the clubs and said are you going to be open are you going to be open are you going to be open um and lots were like no some were like yeah so we went into Birmingham anyway and I'd had like my friend had bought me Aperol spritz which is horrid I didn't like it I was drinking anyway um and we went to this a couple of places in Birmingham and I 
fell asleep in the last place that we went to and I think my friends probably thought right it's well, the night's finished now let's get Eloise home and we went to McDonald's and we got on the train and everything was fine and dandy until I had this almighty feeling of oh no I'm gonna be sick um unfortunately for the 20 chicken nuggets that were in the McDonald's bag they I was sick on the nuggets I <laughs> reached for the McDonald's bag and was sick into the McDonald's bag which then fell through onto the train and there was like sick on the train and oh it was a it was a really rough time that's definitely the most drunk I've been um thank god that I was with my boyfriend at the time and like my closest friends because they got me home safe and sound we were staying at my house um but yes, that is definitely the drunk I've been. I have no recollection of how I got home. Thankfully, like I said, I had good people around me to get me home safely. Yeah, that is definitely up there. That is a that's a strong. I like that story. Um, it's like a like a chicken broth, but made of vomit. That's, oh, that's I know. Yeah, it's so grim. It's so upsetting as well. Like what a waste of twenty chicken nuggets. I know. Not even like a nine or like six. It was twenty. 20. Oh, so but felt so good the next day though. I feel like when you're sick on the night, you, I always feel fresh the next day. Oh yeah, out of the system, one hundred percent. Yeah, wake up feeling a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, like, are you one of the people like, like, like? I know a lot of people that have to go out. If they're going out, they have to. Like, there's no point in going out if you're not going to get absolutely pissed. Um, are you like that? I don't know. It's, there's no judgment. It's just like I'm just wondering. I feel like I wouldn't say that I was like that, but I do tend to get drunk when I go out. Like, <laughs> it always, I yeah, if you, like, ask me, I'll be like, oh, no, I definitely have a good time without getting drunk. And I 100% can. And I definitely don't always get, like, really, really drunk. Um, but I do tend to, to reach kind of what you would consider drunk. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I never, I don't tend to get to a stage where I'm, like, couldn't like handle myself like I'm always able to you know get home and yeah yeah I'm not like literally like, on the floor I'm not one of them thankfully <laughs> yeah that's good that's good and like yeah just like if you're I feel like whenever you're not getting into the danger zone of ending up in you know like I don't know like a homeless shelter or something you know mm. not knowing where you are or something I think I yeah think I'm always aware of myself fine. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. That's good. Um, so on the topic of drinking, I hate to bring the mood down, but I think it's an important topic to discuss. I know you're very passionate about this. You've done like things in uni about it, and it's about obviously you know like the spiking situation, yeah. and that uh, and of course it it's infuriating to everyone. I just like would like a uh, if you had. You seen someone right like that was spiking someone obviously of course you would stop it no problem but like say the next day you see that person sober eh, and you were able to confront them what would you like say to that person i'm just wondering like obviously you say fuck you and i get angry but like, what would you actually try to say to that person to deter them from doing it again i don't know that's a that's a loaded question i'm sorry but i just think that you <laughs> you are a good person to answer it i think um Obviously, I mean, it's, it's an awful thing to do. And I feel like a lot of people that do have ulterior motives, whether it be, um, you know, s- sexual motives or anything like that, or to rob them or whatever. 
Um, so I think the issue goes deeper than just, or that person that has spiked them on. Um, but I think making people aware of like the, the real impact that they can have. I mean, you know, if you're at university and you get spiked, that can ruin your whole degree. If you're in first year and you get spiked and, you know, you might feel like you can't go out again. And for a lot of people, that's how they socialise and make their friends. And obviously Worcester's really good at encouraging sober socials and kind of things like that. But a lot of people do see it as part of the university experience. Um, so I think just making people aware of what they're actually causing people to lose out on. Um, and, you know, not only losing out on going nights out, like that can really like, like affect people mentally. Um, if it hasn't affected them physically, then, you know, it's going to leave lasting kind of scars sort of thing. I think maybe just making people really aware of what they are causing from their, to their victim um, and actually kind of, yeah, shaking them and saying, like, that's not on. <laughs> yeah, that is, really, that is a really good answer because I know so many people that they think it's just like, ah, they'll be fine in the morning. You know what I mean? It's They don't think of the traumatic side of it and all that there, so... Yeah. I'm really glad. I'm really glad I saved that question. For you. <laughs> I was also thinking about like, you know, like the measures that are being taken by like clubs and pubs and etc. Um, to stop the spiking. Do Do you think there's enough being done? I think some places are definitely just doing it so that they can say they've done it, like. 100%. For example, not to name and shame, but Sin in Worcester, I when it was like right in the thick of the spiking kind of stuff, I went out and they handed me a, a coffee lid. So like what you would get if you had, like on top of like a McDonald's coffee, um, so one of those. And it fit really well on top of my um, cup, except my straw wouldn't fit through the little sippy like whole thing. So... I either had to drink it like a coffee, which seemed like a recipe for disaster. The drink was definitely going to go all the way down me or take the lid off, put the straw in, have a sip, take the straw out, put the lid on every time I wanted to have a drink. So I feel like a lot of places are just doing it to say, yeah, yeah, we're taking action. Um, but it's obviously good to see things happening and it shows that the owners of the clubs are aware and the events managers are aware that things are happening. Um, and obviously any measure taken could prevent um, or deter someone being spiked or spiking someone. So it's definitely good. But yeah, I think there is definitely more that can still be done. Yeah, 100%. So for this section of the podcast, I asked my guest, and today's guest is Eloise Kishin now, uh, something that's made her feel uncomfortable in the last little while Eloise have you thought of something I have I think what springs to mind is when I'm in one of my lectures my lecturer um is hard of hearing so they struggle to hear when people speak quietly or when there's um kind of external noise going on and they've told us about this issue um so many times and I can't tell you how uncomfortable it makes me feel when people continue to speak really quietly. Oh. Like for me, if someone was 
for example, in a wheelchair, you wouldn't drop the door on them. You would hold it open. So if someone is telling you they can't hear you that well or they need you to speak up, essentially you're dropping the door on them when you're mumbling under your breath. That makes them uncomfortable. (laughs) I get that. And totally. And like the fact that um, he's like drilled it into you guys, like or she or whoever they have drilled it into. And like, it's not a thing that's been like, you know, once mentioned and then like move on. He said it multiple times. He literally has to say it every week because people, I get that some people are like, I'm quite a loud person. I'm happy to shout up. I'm happy to answer questions. I'm happy to do it in a yeah. loud voice. But I'm, if you're not going to answer in a, a voice that is loud enough for this poor guy to hear, don't mm-hmm. put your hand up. I just, yeah, I just don't get, I don't understand like quiet people. Like I have some, I, I have quiet friends, but when it comes to like something that can make a bit of a noise, like there's just, yeah. there's, there's Electra I'm in and there's a girl who like, whenever she speaks, like there's no hope. Like even the people beside her can barely hear her. And I just, I just want to like either give her a microphone or just like make her like scream or something to say, just to like to let her like scare her or something, make her like scream out. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's within you to raise your fucking voice. You know what I mean? And sometimes I realize Literally. I can be too, I can be too loud. I feel like I complain to my friends and like family and say like Jimmy, shut the fuck up. That's enough. And I <laughs> try to. I'm working on that, but I would much rather be too fucking loud than too quiet. Um, oh, definitely. But like, 100%. but the, but but to be fair, this girl l- likes talking. She's not like that's not her issue. It's just the fact that whenever she speaks, like it's right. Okay, read out to the group now in a big master lecture hall, and it's just the whisper like this here, and no one can fucking hear. Um, oh no, I hate that. I know, and then it's like, uh, and then it's just kind of like the lecturer's kind of like, oh, should I interrupt? Should I not? And then they're like, it's just so awkward. Just speak up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you, you totally that. get it. I don't know why. Like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm giving this lecture to you. Hundred <laughs> percent with you that. Um, something's made me uncomfortable. I just want uh, to your thoughts. Um, which is the um Johnny Street party fiasco thing that everyone's talking about um yep. I think that it is beyond ridiculous that we're taking advice from someone who literally breaks the rules of we're following like obviously we have to follow guidelines for our own health but it's just so, yeah. so like you know that's like you know a like someone in like HR or something in like a company or something going right you can't like you know um be you know not like sexual misconduct in work and then they, they commit it themselves yeah. it's literally you know like I know that's a weird analogy but you get what I mean they're just it's so, so hypocritical that's the word I'm looking yeah <laughs> whenever you heard about it what, what, what was your reaction did you see the video obviously yeah I did so I saw um initially the video of the female MP I can't think what her name is but um joking about it and I was a bit confused I wasn't sure whether it was regarding this year or last year um, and then I saw the BBC News notification come up regarding the Prime Minister's question I think it must have been Wednesday um, and me and one of my housemates sat and watched it and just could not get over him avoiding questions answering questions but in a really um, kind of vague manner uh, we were literally like, this guy needs to just resign. And it's so embarrassing. <laughs> like, oh, how, like, there's uh, prime ministers out there, like, for example, New Zealand's prime minister, she's such a legend. She's an actual babe. And then ours is just like, 
I don't Boris even Johnson. know how to describe him. Bojo, his hair, honestly, <laughs> says it all. It is, and it's like he's had another kid. He is his him and his he's like eight kids now or something. Well, not eight kids. He's had eight wives having or something. Sex with this man. Who is having sex with this man? <laughs> he's single-handedly destroying the Amazon rainforest. Like, they, they like are causing climate change. Not even just specifically the Amazon rainforest. But, like, there's no need for that like kids. Like, just let... Like, he, he does not ever interact with children. He literally... If he, he's in... He is just power-driven. He wants... To go to work, doesn't give a shit. Just like it's just very, you know, eighteen hundreds relationship. You know, the wife will look yeah. after them. I'm way to work. You can just imagine, you know, like a thing. He, oh, sorry, you go. He addressed someone in Parliament the other day by her. So it was a lady, and he addressed her by her husband's name. And the speaker, um, I think that's the right terminology, said like that is sexist we are in the 21st century prime minister you aren't to um address a female by her partner's name she has a name she has a title you know she's obviously a successful woman if she's standing up in parliament and speaking um yeah and i, I feel like that so degrading. absolutely all a shocking yeah i was thinking um, me and my friends had this discussion one time and I just think um, well I, I think I've had this with a lot of my friends to be fair um, but I'm going to have it with you, my friend now and it's well, imagine life with just the girls and the gays <laughs> I mean wow can you imagine how good that would, like, it would be it would literally be like living in like the real housewives of Beverly Hills or something because the bitching would be constant but like just in terms of like in terms of like you know the quality of life and the respect for each other and the the statistics of spiking, raping, all this yeah. horrible stuff that goes on, it would plummet. And... It definitely would. And it's such a shame to even say that because obviously I have many male friends that yes. I am dead set certain that they wouldn't do any of the horrible things that statistically men are more likely to do. But yeah. Like we yeah. said, full circle here is that there's only there's always one. Well, in this case, there's many many ones, but there is always one. There is good men out there. We, yeah. just, we need we need them to be like we need like Keanu Reeves. We need him, like you know, we need them to start you know stand up and like want change. You know what I mean? We need them yeah. in Boris Johnson's position. Yeah. Don't we? This has been like such a like a, a de- like a deep chat. We have I think like we've changed the world. I feel like once this meeting ends, we're yeah. just gonna go back and it's just gonna be all men are, don't, don't exist anymore and it's just the girls and the kids. <laughs> um, um, mic drop. It's just yeah. us left now. <laughs> it is. Well, anyways, thank you so much for doing my podcast. Um, you're my like first work colleague to do it, and I'm honored that you're the first one. It is Love so that. lovely. It has, even after the technical difficulties, bit of stress at yeah. the start, we got it done. We have, and then as I click delete in the recording, um... <laughs> <laughs> imagine.